Well, good morning, Beach Point. It's good to see you. My name is Jason. I'm the associate pastor of Community Life. Hey, thanks, pal. And, uh, you know, we're really, really excited that you're here to get today to worship the Lord. As uh, Pastor Matt said, this is one of the biggest weeks of Beach Point all throughout the year. I mean, as he said, there's going to be over 550. There's actually 556 kids and 250 student and adult volunteers from both campuses. Uh, you know, the students are here from both campuses to, to have, for singing and dancing and, and discovering this great love that God has for them. And, and the, the volunteers are here, uh, you know, to teach and to train these kids about that love, as well as get bombed with water balloons and sweat profusely. You know, uh, I mean, but it's not just that. There's 49 uh, of the families that are registered. There's about 400 different unique families that registered for VBS. And of those 400, uh, almost 50 of them are families that say, we don't go to church anywhere. So we have a unique opportunity. There's 36 different life groups represented among the volunteers I mean, this is serious business. It is going to take 2,780 juice boxes to make this happen, okay? This is real, okay? And what is the deal with that 365 organic? We're, throw that out, okay? We're going to get the real juice, the, the, the 5% juice, okay? The real one. You know, and our theme this year, if you haven't figured it out by the staff, people wearing the shirts and, and this giant sign behind me is the journey, and we're, we're discovering God's story and our role in it. And the journey will take our kids and leaders through the story of what God has done, will do, excuse me, is doing and will continue to do. You know, sometimes we look at the Bible as kind of a random set of stories, a random collection of helpful stories. And, or, or other times we look at it as like a, a good moral book, a, a good moral code, or, or sometimes we look at it as kind of a history book. But in reality, The Bible is, from cover to cover, one continuous story. And we're going to look at that all throughout this week and in the coming weeks, that that he is our God, that we are his people. right? And I think this is captured so well by the great uh, saint and writer, St. Augustine, who says this, that thou or you have made us for thyself, O Lord, and our heart is restless until it finds its rest in you. See, and God's story is tied together with this common thread, this common idea, this consistent idea that holds all of Scripture together, that explains all that He's done, doing, and will do. And it's really captured by this week's big idea. So I want to encourage you to grab your note page out of your bulletins uh, and take notes and follow along. Uh, studies show that you'll remember up to seven times more what you write down than what you simply hear with your ears. Uh, so I encourage you to take notes. Um, the, the big idea of today, the idea that frames and shapes everything we're talking about in here, as well as everything we're talking about for VBS, as well as everything we're going to be talking about for the next 32 weeks, is this. The common thread of God's amazing story is his immeasurable love. The common thread of God's amazing story is his immeasurable love. See, VBS has the power, well, uh, and, and this is why we pour so many resources and time and energy and excitement into it. It has the power to help 
us learn things that are beyond, uh, beyond our current place with the Lord. And I mean, don't take my word for it. Here's just a short video from a teacher um, from three years ago, VBS, who, who still has this same verse and word hidden in her heart. For God so loved the Lord that he gave his one and only Son, whoever believes in him will not perish but have eternal life. John 3, 3.16. Whoever said, oh my goodness, is the right response. That, that little girl is beautiful and amazing. That's my daughter. And uh, so not only is that the cutest thing you can say, so, see all day. So just go ahead and go home, go back to sleep. No worries. But, uh, but she's so right. You know, she, she says this, this, this famous verse that God so loved. And she could tell you that verse today. And that is why we believe in the power of VBS. Not because she can tell me a verse but because she began to learn about God's unbelievable, immeasurable love from someone just other than just me. And there's no way of understanding this love apart from an encounter with God. You can't uh, know this love without experiencing this love for yourself. See, when we encounter the love of God as opposed to hearing about it or, or hearing someone talk about it, when we experience it, we understand that it's something that must be uh, engaged beyond the, the idea of thinking, the idea of writing, the idea of hearing, to this idea of experience and encountering. And to, to engage you and to encounter you and me today, I want to encourage us to turn to our memory verse for VBS, Ephesians chapter 3. Uh, we'll start in verse 14, and it's on page 1174 in the Bibles in the racks in front of you. If you don't own one, please take it as a gift from us. we got plenty more. We'll replace it. But as I've written, or excuse me, as I've said uh, every time I'm up here, the Bible is written from real people to real people in a real place, in a real time with real problems. It's not a book that you set next to Aesop's fables and say they're the same thing. See, because this is, this is a real book in time, in space, dealing with real issues. And where we find ourselves today in the scripture is there's this guy named Paul, and he's writing to a church in a city called uh, Ephesus, which is why the book's called Ephesians. And he's, uh, he's hanging out right now, um, you know, literally hanging because he's in the clink. And he's writing a note um, to this church. He has, uh, he has started this church and left, and, and he's, he's praying for this church. He's writing this beautiful, amazing prayer down for these people. Can we get the clock fixed, by the way? Um, and so, you know, he's, he's writing this amazing story excuse me, he's writing this amazing letter to these people and what he's talking about, he's about to say, okay, I've talked about it all and now I just want to pray for you. And I just want to pray this amazing prayer. And I hope that you would be engaged in it this morning as well as we read beginning in verse 14. For this reason, I kneel before the Father from whom every family in heaven and on earth derives its name. I pray that out of his glorious riches, he may strengthen you with power through his spirit in your inner being so that Christ may dwell in your hearts through faith. And I pray that you being rooted and established in love may have power together with all of the Lord's holy people to grasp how wide and long and high and deep is the love of Christ. And to know this love that surpasses knowledge that you may be filled to the measure with all the fullness of God. 
In the midst of this prayer, there's so many things that we could spend time wor- working through, unpacking today. But I want to I just try to unpack together today to, to talk about two of them. And the first one, I want to give you the idea, and then we'll, then we'll kind of spend some time talking through it. And the next thing that I want you to write down is this, that we are on a journey to experience the vastness of God's love for us. That's why I hope this memory verse for VBS won't just be a memory verse, won't just be something you remember, but it'll be something that becomes kind of this this anchor point of your life. Because we are on a journey to experience the vastness of God's love. Notice it doesn't say we're on a journey to learn about. Those are two totally different things, right? And you can see really quickly why this is a prayer worth praying. The thing that he prays for these people is so profound, it's so unique. I mean, I think it's a great prayer to have for your kids, for your spouse, for your friends, you know, for even for us as a, as a community of faith, and, and for your 8 to 15, which if, if you're newer with us and you don't know what that means, uh, sociologists say that we have uh, about 8 to 15 people in our lives that have influence on us and that we have influence on. And so we call that, that, those 8 to 15, we call them the little world that God's given us to make a big difference in. And so this is a great prayer for those people. I mean, and it's a really intense prayer that we see right away, right? He says, I kneel before the Father. Now, centuries ago, if you were in the presence of a king or a queen, you were required to kneel. The whole point of that kneeling was to show you your place, right? Like, know your role. Know your place and stay there. Your place is below me. My place is above you. That was the dynamic. It was a sign of a submission to an earthly ruler. Well, in, in, in a kind of a, a religious worship setting, it's kind of this idea of reverence or awe or humility. But here's what's so strange. Like for you and me, we've grown up experiencing, you know, maybe you've even gone to a church that has a kneeling bench in, built into the pew. Maybe you've seen someone praying kneeling. But this is so strange and unique for this time because the normal way people would pray is standing up. So the very fact that Paul starts this prayer and says, I kneel before, it's a very intentional, I am drawing into a completely different posture to say, God, I humble myself before you and worship you. It's this very passionate earnestness, right? You can see the intensity of, I'm, I'm not just coming to pray to you. I'm, I'm changing my body language to show the intensity of the prayer. It's not just an emotional and an intense prayer. It's a very relational prayer. It says, I, I kneel before the Father. This isn't just any father. This is the Father of fathers, the perfect Father. In, in every way, he is good. And he says, I want them to know you, Dad. Right, he prays that the Father, excuse me, he prays to the Father that Jesus may make his home in their hearts. He may dwell in their hearts. And the main intent of this prayer is super clear, that he wants his church to be strengthened by God's power that they may know intimately Jesus' presence and love. He knows that if this happens, if they know intimately the vastness of God's love, not that if they move beyond knowledge, if they move beyond um, just just hearing about, if they know it intimately, he knows that that that's like the one domino that that starts the whole chain of events. That the people who who believe that the Bible is a book of rules or a list of commands or or just a nice way to live and all, all that other stuff, all that stuff that people spend all their days arguing about would just 
melt away because the experience of God's love would be so profound that it would change their life forever. And I love this passage because he says, I pray that Christ may dwell in your hearts. He could have used two different words for dwell. One of them is a a temporary gig. So it's the same word that he uses when he says, we are... um, we are strangers or, or aliens on earth. You know, and he, he kind of talks about this idea that earth is a temporary place, um, but, but heaven ultimately is our home. Instead, he, use, he doesn't use that word. He doesn't use the word that's kind of like a motel, right? Or like baker on the way to Vegas. I mean, so I've heard, you know, it's, uh, it, you know, he doesn't use that word as a pit stop. He uses the, this word of permanence, the word to dwell, in, not just to dwell, but to, to, to come and to stay. This is the word he uses that he says, I I, I want Christ to come and to stay in your hearts, to strengthen you there. It's this prayer about Christ making his home more and more and more in every crack and crevice of our lives. It's a prayer that moves well beyond just knowing about something and to experiencing it. But see, Christ will always come to us. Jesus will always come to us, but he's, he's not forceful. He won't force his way in, right? Like two and a half or three years ago, um, me and some other student leaders uh, uh, were playing in the youth building. We were playing dodgeball inside, which is always a good idea. And, um, and we were just running around kind of getting crazy. And, you know, this is obviously when I was a much less mature man stature than you see before you today. And... Uh, <clears throat> And they, that was funnier, by the way. And, um, <laughs> um, but the, the boys and I and, and, all the, and all my buddies, we were running around and, and somebody like ran into one of the, the pastor's offices and like shut the door and locked it. And I was like, oh my gosh, it'll be so funny. I'm going to fake kick the door in. And I totally fake kicked the door in except for the fake part. I like full on, wham! And I was like, I am so strong. <laughs> and then I was like, oh gosh, the door's broken. <laughs> And, I, and then uh, Pastor Bill comes back from vacation and he says, how'd the door break? And I was like, I totally kicked it in. And he's like, you're totally paying for it out of your own pocket. And I was like, mm, that's a bummer. See, Jesus is a lot more gentle, a lot less forceful than me, right? He's never going to come into your life by kicking a door down. He's simply going to come and he's going to say, hey, I... I'm here. I'll knock. And if you're ready to open the door, I'd love to come in and and hang out with you. That's the kind of gentleness that Jesus has. And his prayer for them is that they'd be rooted and established in love. And I love these two metaphors. There's, There's two things going on here. The first one is that their roots, the roots of their life, the thing that gives them life, that gives them nutrients, would be the right soil. That's the idea of rooted and then the idea of established is a building metaphor in the Greek language. It's, so it, it's as though he's saying, I want your roots, to the, the things that's going to give you life to sink down in the right soil, to be rooted. And then I want you to be established, to be built up on the right foundation. The, the word established is this building metaphor for being built on a solid foundation. And so in other words, he wants you to be <clears throat> a well-rooted, well-nourished tree built on a solid and firm foundation of God's love, right? I love, love, love the way that that this theologian says it. And so we'll throw it up here on the screen. He says, search the love of God until love becomes 
the foundation of your life. See, knowing you are loved by God is more important than any other single factor that you could ever learn. Anything you could ever learn pales in comparison to knowing this. Because love must become the dominant quality of our life, the roots of our existence, the foundation on which everything else rests. I mean, I don't know about you, but have you ever thought about like what it would be like to live day in and day out without knowing that you had a, a, a deep love? Like it, it, living day in and day out saying, I believe deep in my heart that I am loved by no one. That sounds like a terrible existence. And yet, if you're like me, my actions tend to lean me towards this way, right? I, instead of sinking my roots deep to, to getting nutrients from God's love, being, being built and being, being established on God's love, I think about things like, like I want to be the best at whatever it is that I think I'm good at. I think I, I, I need to be the smartest. I think I need to be the, the, the best looking I think I need to have the, the most friends. I think I need to, to, to figure out how to one-up each person. I think I need to have the best family, the best-looking family at least. I think I need to be the most spiritual person in my group of spiritual friends. And I try to build my life on these roots And you know what happens every time I'm let down? Every time I fall over. See, if your roots go down into the claims of God's love for you, if your life is being built on the foundation of the cross and God's grace, then you can begin. And I say the word begin on purpose. You can begin to grasp the dimensions of God's love. Because I love the way Paul says it. He says, I pray that you would love, that you would know the love that is not knowable. Meaning that you could spend your whole life looking and searching and trying to grasp every nook and cranny of this love. You think you know everything about it. You could spend every moment of every day learning and experiencing, and there will always be more and better love. That God's love is limitless. He prays that he, they would know this unknowable love. Right? I'm sure you know you are loved by God. Hopefully someone's told you that. If, if not, let me tell you that. You're loved by God. But, but do you know how much you're loved by God? Right? I mean, try to imagine this vastness with me for a second. How high, this is how Paul says it, how high and wide and long and deep is this love? I mean, try to figure this out. The way, the way that Jesus teaches it is he says it this way in John 15, 9, we'll throw it up on the screen. It says, as the Father has loved me, so I love you. Now remain in my love. Now, can you try to imagine that? Just pause with me and really focus in on this for a second. That the love that the father had, has for the son, the perfect, limitless, boundless, endless, infinite love that the father has for the son, God says, I have that for you. Have you ever thought about the fact that how much the father loves the son is the same as how much God loves you? I mean, if that doesn't just make you stop and go, whoa, 
I mean, if, you know, or, or maybe, maybe you're, you're still on the fence about faith in, in Christ. And if that doesn't make you stop and go, whoa, if that's true, that's crazy. Ancient commentators used to look at the cross and they saw it as the best illustration. And they thought about the, the upright pole as it, as it reached down to the earth and pointed up towards heaven. And the crossbar that carried the arms of Jesus stretched out as, a, as though they were inviting the whole world to come to him. Christ's love is so profoundly different, so infinitely more. It is an ocean that cannot be plumbed. It is a land that cannot be fully explored. And I know this sounds almost too good to be true, but, but listen to this experience that this uh, famous Bible scholar named D.L. Moody had when he encountered this love. He says this, Well, one day in the, in the city of New York, oh, what a day. I cannot describe it. Now get this. I seldom refer to it. It is almost too sacred of an experience to name. I can only say that God revealed himself to me And I had such an experience of his love that I had to ask him to stay his hand. What he's saying by that, by stay his hand, is God, I'm trying to take a drink of your love, but it's trying to take it, it's like trying to take a drink off a fire hose. It's too much. I can't, I can't, it's so much, I can't handle it. You gotta stop. I mean, are you beginning to see why Paul would pray this prayer for them? And are you beginning to see why this has to be? our prayer here. You know, and so we begin a journey to discover the vastness, to experience the vastness of God's love for us. But as we do that, what we will find, and this is the second thing I want to unpack from our scripture today, and the next thing I want you to write down, is that we are on a journey to find our story in his story. As we begin this journey tomorrow, we will begin to see time and time and time again the the love of God, the immeasurable love of God is what threads this whole thing together. We'll journey from creation to redemption uh, with Christ's death to mission, Christ sending us to recreation, to the new heaven, new earth. And we will continue to see this immeasurable love of God come up in the story and weave the story together. And we'll continue to see this fact that he is our God and that we are his people. And that he is the type of God who says, I want you to come with me. Because my story is your story. And he starts to unpack, the scriptures will unpack for us that we were created out of love. That the God who lives in perfect, eternal, loving community creates us, not out of a deficiency, right? Um, You know, you've all heard the quote that necessity is the father of invention or the mother of invention, right? That is not the case here. God did not invent us to fulfill a need in his heart. He is not sitting on the divine couch of therapy, who I'm not sure who would be his counselor, but whatever, okay? Uh, He's not sitting there going, oh, what do I need? What do I need? Oh, I know people who by page three in the scriptures will ruin the whole thing I did. No, that's not what he's saying. He's saying, oh man, I I I want people to experience 
this beautiful love that we have. He doesn't doesn't just create us out of love. He redeems us out of love. He pays the price that we can't pay. Like I said, by page three in some of your Bibles, depending on the font, maybe page one, right? The humans have messed the whole thing up. The whole whole story, and we're like, oh man, how is it going to work out? But God says, no, 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 don't worry. Don't worry, I've got this. And the vastness of God's love is best seen in Jesus, who redeems us, who purchases, purchases us from sin for life in God. And he doesn't do this when we got it all together, right? The Apostle Paul writes that when we were still screwing everything up, Jesus comes in our lives and says, I've got you. I will die in your place. See, we're not just saved from some sort of punishment that we think about, right? But we're saved for life, for love. And we're not just created out of love or redeemed out of love. We're called to serve with him in love. You know, I didn't grow up in church and I always heard people um, talk when I started coming to church and when I was learning about God and, and people talked about like giving their lives away and it's better to give than receive. I'm like, your Christmases must be terrible. It's way better to receive. But then as I've grown in my faith, what I've discovered is how amazing it is to live when I give my time and my talents and my treasures away. In fact, what I find is when I'm like trying to keep them all to myself, when I'm like hoarding all my resources, all my energy, all my time, and I'm expending it all on me, I'm more stressed. I'm like, uh, I see that everybody has threats. I, I perceive the world as objects for my use. And this isn't life, right? It's, it's panic. It's fear. But we're not just called to serve with him. One day we'll have a future with him. Scriptures say where he will wipe every tear away. There will be no more sadness, no more pain, no more death. He says that everything that you experienced in this life and was like, I can't even. None of that will exist anymore. Worst day ever, never. Okay, like none of that will ever happen. He says that, that, that it will be as though it is the best possible thing you could imagine. And here's what makes it great. It's not that there's no more pain or tears or crying or mourning. It's that you're with God, that you're in his presence that you experience his love firsthand. And the Apostle Paul writes in another uh, book that, that we will, when we see him face to face, we will know as we are fully known. Now, I don't believe that what Paul is trying to say is that you will be omniscient, all-knowing, like God. But what I do think he means is that exactly as God knows the depth of his love for us, we will know the depth of that love. We will experience it we will be able to, as it were, put, take a drink from the fire hose of his love and say, that's delicious. This is amazing. 
that we would, we would experience that love and we would say, look, look, I knew, I knew, I sang it in 2016 VBS, the journey, how high and how wide and deep and long is the love. I, I, I thought I knew how wide it was. I thought I knew how deep it was. I thought I knew how good it was, but I couldn't possibly imagine that it was this good. I couldn't possibly see that it was this good. If I could go back in history and tell my former self, it's this good, I would have done anything to be a part of it. And so the question for us today is, would you join us on this journey? Would you join us on this journey? See, we're about to begin this journey to experience God's story and our role in it. And I don't know about you, but one of my favorite parts about VBS is the anticipation kind of like the, it's tomorrow. Like yesterday I got to, uh, I had to come here to pick up a charger for my computer and, um, and my kids wanted to come with me because it was bedtime. So they wanted to do anything to not go to bed. Um, so they came with me to pick up a charger, but what they got to see was uh, the youth building decorated um, for VBS. And they're like, oh my goodness, it looks so cool. Look at this. This is a mirror. I can see myself, you know? And I'm like, yeah, it's a, it's a mirror. But to them, it's like no way the world is being you know, opened up and their minds are being blown because why? The anticipation. Now, I want to I just tell you something that you, you absolutely 100% have to understand. That if you don't understand this point, you will miss out on the journey. That if you miss this starting point, you will end at the wrong destination. And if you would give me just some creative license with the scripture that my daughter read for you, I need you to understand that yes, God loves the world. He loves everything and everyone in the world, but God loves you. And so, like I said, if you would allow me this creative license, for God so loved you that he sent his one and only son for you. That if you would put your trust in him, You will live even though you die. And you will have life and life to the full, both here and now and forever. You, you have to get that. Your mission, your purpose, your calling, your obedience will all end in the wrong place if you don't start there. Do you believe that? Mr. Gabe and the Electric Boogaloo Band are going to come out in just a moment. And I want to encourage you, if you haven't heard it yet, we've said it like eight times, okay? So pay attention right now. If you are not volunteering here at VBS this week, you are not a spectator. You are a participant. Pray. Pray, pray, pray. The God of the universe wants to do great things. And over and over in the scriptures, he says, if my people would call, I would listen. And I want to encourage you to respond this way. Join us for the story. In a few weeks, we begin a journey through the the main story of God and discovering our role in it. 
We thought we ordered enough books. We ordered 400 books. And we said, we're going to have some left over, but it's cool. People will buy them along the way. We ran completely out. You've already bought all of them. So we ordered more. But we ran out of those, so we ordered more. Okay? This is going to be something really special. Don't just hoard it for yourself. Invite your 8 to 15. I want you to try to picture something real quick. 21 years ago, for the very first time, somebody as I was sitting in a chair, told me that someone loved me no matter what I did, no matter who I was, no matter what I would do. And it was the first time I'd ever heard anything like that. I'd never heard anything like that before. And this story has the power to do that for your life and for the life of your friends and for the life of your 8 to 15, your small world. And so I want to challenge you, not only to be here for the story, but to bring others into it. Because this journey that we are on is not only the greatest story ever told, it is the most life-changing love you will ever know, both here and in the age to come. And in that love and excitement, let's stand and get our hand motions on, people.